morning. So yesterday, um, students, some of you guys graduated. Congratulations. Pretty amazing. Um, and since uh, my, um, my boss and my mentor got to present some of his uh, thoughts, he's the board chair for, for NMU, um, he talked about being a, an engaged citizen, engaged with civility was his, uh, his speech. And um, those were, th that's what he wanted the graduating class to take away, of all the different things that you could say he wanted to kind of charge the class. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a good message. I can say that because I got to help edit it. Um, but I wanted to give my own um, speech to those that are graduating and departing into the next uh, season, the next phase. And like Jake and Georgie um, going out. So Jake didn't know this um, when he got up and shared, but the passage I'm going to use is from a passage uh, that was shared with, I was on the receiving end about 11, 11 years ago. Um, when some of us were licensed or ordained for ministry, and it was our commissioning message uh, that we received from a guy in Kansas City. He was the CEO of the International House of Prayer at the time, Daniel Lim, and he gave this message, and with it, he gave a prophetic word to the church about being a greenhouse, and Jake kept referring to this safe place or this nest, and that word came before his time, um, but it has truly been a greenhouse, and we've gotten to see a lot of great people come up, spend some time here, and then launch into the next phase of their life, the next season. So what I want to share with you is out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, if you have a Bible with you, open it up. I have my large Bible, and um, I'm going to share from two passages of Scripture, 2 Timothy 2 and Hebrews 12. So this passage has been something that was and is very, very valuable and important to me, and it's something that has marked my life for the last 11 years. And I'm going to read to you first the passage and then spend a few minutes just going over it. Starting in verse 19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Verse 20. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Verse 22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Love this scripture. So, 
I'm not from um, Myanmar like Daniel, so I will do it without his accent, but it was a cool message. I wish you guys could have been here. I'll try to do it justice. What comes out in this passage is that in the house of God, there are different types of vessels. There are vessels, clay, wood, silver, gold. Multiple different makes for multiple different purposes. You find this in other passages of Scripture where he's talking about the body and what makes up the body and how we're all different. This particular passage is telling us that we have the opportunity to choose what type of vessel we will be. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. What we're being told is that you and I have the ability to choose for ourselves what type of vessel we will be. We can choose to remain vessels of clay and wood used for less honorable purposes, or we can choose to cleanse ourselves from that which is dishonorable and become vessels intended for honorable use. Set apart as holy. In the house of God, there were vessels that were set apart only for the most important works that the priests got to use. We get to decide which type of vessel we will spend our lives being. And the question that we're asked is, will I cleanse myself of that which is dishonorable to become a vessel purposed for honor. What's amazing about this is, without saying it, he's implying that God would have each of us choose to be vessels of honor. I don't think anyone in this building would make the argument that God would have us retain our dishonorable practices, our iniquity. Would we? I mean, is there anyone here who would say, God really wants me to go on in my sin? That's just his vision for my life, right? We would never say that, right? Thank you, Kurt, for Lord. No, we wouldn't, but we believe it, don't we? We often believe that these sins that we struggle with, it's our every man's battle. It's our burden to bear in life, that we're going to struggle with this forever. We would never say that God wants us to be burdened with this sin and stuck in this sin for our whole lives. We'd never say that, but we often believe it. We often believe that we're going to continue to struggle with the same sin throughout our entire lives, and it will now prevent us from being used for honor. And we'd never say it, but often we believe it, though we wouldn't speak it. What's being explained here implicitly is that God wants us to set aside that which is dishonorable, to be free, to become 
honorable, and qualified to be used as a vessel of honor. This is about developing trustworthiness in the kingdom. In verse 22, he goes on to say, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. So he's saying, at the same time, he's saying, flee this, pursue this. If you want to become honorable, if you want to leave behind sin that has maybe held you back for years, flee that which is dishonorable and pursue this. How many of us are good at fleeing that which is dishonorable? How many of us are good at fleeing youthful passions? How many of us, let's, let's just use the sexual sin, temptation. How many of us, when tempted with sexual sin, we flee it, as in throw my phone across the room and walk out so I can be in other company? That's fleeing. He actually tells us to flee youthful passions. Flee foolishness. Flee the temptations that will suck us in. Guys, we got to get back the realization that we're in this and it's a real war, it's a real fight. And when we pick a fight with someone that we know we lose to regularly, sometimes the best thing you can do is walk away. Flee youthful passions. (laughs) This is really simple, but you know why some of us stay in bondage in the same sin for years? Because we keep doing the same stuff day after day after day, and we never get up and flee it. We never set it down and flee in the other direction because, well, we're sons. We have grace. Grace isn't meant to excuse sin. Grace is meant to empower you to flee from it. Isn't that a good one? I love it. That's a good one, yeah. It just... And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Go after it. Pursue it. If you're walking down the road and there's a $100 bill blowing along the sidewalk and the wind picks it up, you're probably going to pursue it. Why? Because it has value. You're not going to flee from it. That's the chewing gum on the bottom of your shoe. You're going to pursue it because it has value. He's telling us, flee from that which is dishonorable and which will hold you back and pursue that which has value. Righteousness, pursue it. Pursue righteousness, that which is good and right and holy. Pursuit is an active movement. Pursuit is not sedentary. How many of us pursue our Bible first thing in the morning? Yes, we know, Kurt, at 3 a.m. <laughs> grief, who is this guy? That's how you pursue prayer and scripture. 3.30, 4 in the morning, he's up. You know that he once chastised me for not telling him about something I was doing? And I was like, what is his deal? And he got really upset. I'm up at 3.30 in the morning every day praying. I run out of things to pray. (laughs) 
tell me when these things are going on so I can cover you in prayer. Right? I was, I was ashamed of myself. Because I'd been missing out for all these years on someone who got up every day to pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. You know what pursuing faith looks like, I think? When you see someone who gives you an opportunity to maybe see your faith at work, praying for the sick is a great example. Pursue that opportunity. Pursue it. Not just in here, please. Most of this is going to be exhibited out there. Pursue faith. You have a coworker who's got a bum leg. Let me pray for you for a second. My God is a healer. I want to pray for you and see you healed. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue love. Look for opportunities to demonstrate affection for other people. To give yourself in service. Pursue peace. We live in a very divided time. Don't we? Yeah. We live where politically we have every reason and look for every reason to argue with each other and fight over really silly things sometimes. And we get away from the realization that often if you get us down to our real core, our intentions and our solutions that we'd propose are very similar. Pursue peace. You know what this looks like? This looks like reaching across the aisle to someone you disagree with and trying to get to know them, to understand them, and maybe eventually you might see their perspective and even convince them to your way. Pursue peace. Don't look for reasons to be offended and divided. Actively pursue engagement with people you disagree. Pursue peace. This is the part I love, though. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Sometimes, to get set free from dishonorable things and qualified for honorable things, you need to step away from some relationships and into others who are running alongside you, pursuing the Lord with a pure heart. Surround yourself with people of like vision who want to walk as an honorable vessel as you do. You will need their encouragement. There's this thing at the, at the tail end of verse 22, from a pure heart. A pure heart we think of as a, as a child, someone who just, oh, they're, always, they're so, they don't, lack of discernment is basically, right? Oh, yeah, they're gullible and an idiot. They must have a pure heart. That's not it. A pure heart is that of someone who desires good, right, instead of evil, who craves righteousness instead of sin, but also one who has had their wrong views of God the Father set aside for those views which are right. Develop a pure heart. 
see your father rightly so that you might know him and become a vessel made for honor. Hebrews 12, this is the way to get there. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. The great thing about this 2 Timothy passage is that it requires of us a commitment to be disciplined. Hebrews 12, verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Embrace his discipline as the blessing. For the last few weeks, Pastor Tuttle's been talking about God's desire to bless us. And he's, he's been sharing some really cool stuff uh, on a personal level where he's seeing God's desire to put his blessing upon his life and our lives. It's great. Embrace the discipline as the blessing. Why? Because discipline isn't done with rejection in mind. Discipline is done with perfection in mind. I totally just came up with that, but it was a rhyme, and that was pretty good. Um, that was, it was, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. My wife is usually the better rapper than I am. I'm not very good at all. Discipline in God is not done with rejection in mind, but perfection in mind. He is treating you as sons. I have been fortunate to have some mentors that have proven to me, time after time after time, that the reason they correct me constantly, constantly, is because they believe in me. I've been around others who they don't take the time to correct because they have no belief in what I could become. Embrace the discipline as the blessing, because the more you're corrected and you learn to think rightly, the more he believes you can be a vessel meant for honor. A sign of sonship is that he doesn't allow you to continue on a wrong path. My closest friends are those who are willing to come to me right away when they think I've veered off course. Those who I've viewed as father figures in my life correct me constantly, multiple times daily, when they think I could be straightened out. See, discipline isn't the same as punishment. Discipline is closer to correction or training than it is punishment. Check out, this, check out this end of this passage. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom, father, whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Go down to verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Trained by it. Discipline is teaching. We pay to go to college to be taught how to think rightly about some things. Right? That's why we go. We want to be trained to think rightly, so we pay for this. 
When God tries to train us to think rightly, we often push away from him and say, I just want to go my own way, leave me alone. Discipline is training. It's development because he believes in what we can become when we listen to him and abide in him. Later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I have a cool story about discipline and training. So in my early days with, with our company, I, um, I made a mistake, a small mistake, that cost our company 170000 bucks. It's a little. Um, and I, too, got to pay for training. Um, and I, I, I made this grave error, and I approached my, my boss, and I, I said, uh, I had, a, I had an accident. Uh, and uh, he said, well, what was it? And I told him what it was. And he said, what's that going to cost us? Right away he said, us, not me. Which later I figured out really meant something. What's that going to cost us, he said. He brought me into the family. What's that going to cost us? It wasn't the servant on the outside. What's that going to cost me? Your mistake. He brought me under his wing and said, what's that going to cost us? And I said, it's going to cost us $170,000. And I honestly expected that to be my last minute on the job. And he looked at me and he was like, well, what did you learn through this $170,000 mistake? And I then recited the list as long as my arm. And he just kind of nodded and he looked at me and said, well, here... We call that tuition. That's tuition. You learned, we paid, it's tuition. And it's because you learned, I don't have anything else to say. There's nothing else I need to teach you or train you or discipline you, and you've learned the lesson already. That's called tuition. So now onwards and upwards, what's next? That's the family that we live in in God. His discipline isn't to push us away. It's to draw us in because he has a vision for where we're going to go together. And that vision is to become vessels of honor, of silver and gold in the house of our God, set for holy purpose. So you guys that are going on out of here, you're moving into a new season of life. Make a decision a permanent decision, a serious decision, because it does get hard. Discipline gets hard. When you have your stuff getting corrected and picked apart day after day after day, because someone believes in you, it's still hard. So make a decision today that you're not going to quit two years down the road, five years down the road. Make a decision today that you're going to finish well, but you're going to be one who learns through their whole life, that God can train through your whole life, that maybe by the end we would be qualified to be a vessel of honor. So those of you who are going into this next phase of life, I'm just going to ask you guys to commit and have someone pray for you before you leave, that you'd be marked by this, that you'd have a grace on you, that you wouldn't give up when it gets hard, that you'd know that his discipline is training to prepare you to become a vessel of honor.
And I can tell you that he is faithful. I've been on this course for only, it's only, it's been a little over a decade is all since I made this commitment myself. But I can tell you that he's faithful to use you in honorable ways. I've had the privilege to be used in honorable ways that I never thought I'd be able to. Um, Remarkable ways. If you commit to this course, he's guaranteeing you that he will fulfill his side of the bargain as long as you're willing to fulfill yours. So I'm going to pray. Worship team, if you guys could come back up. Father, thank you that there's nothing that you require of us to become children of God, that you did everything to make us your own. Thank you that you and you alone are the reason that we have salvation and sonship. But Lord, thank you that you give us the opportunity as sons to become children that would be used for honorable purpose. Thank you that you desire for us to be honorably used and you empower us to overcome that which entangles us that we might become honorable vessels in your house. We love you, we honor you, we worship you, Father. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray a blessing over everyone. Um, If you want to stay, worship will go on for a little while. If you want to get prayed for, find someone around you that you trust, or you can come up front and someone will find you. Father, thank you that you desire to let us, allow us to walk in the blessing. The Deuteronomy 28 blessing, Father. Father, thank you that your discipline is part of this blessing. And it's because you love us that you discipline us and train us. It's because you want us to walk as honorable vessels and be used to bring you glory as you make us known in the earth. Father, we love you. So may your blessing, all of it, rest on these, your people. As we go out, would we, may we expect to see your activity in our lives in the fruit of righteousness in our lives. May we expect your discipline and your correction when we get off course. Help us to embrace it and be thankful for it. We love you, Father. Amen.